I'm your host, Sean Aaron, and welcome to Them Boys Inc. Podcast. This show is a platform where trans men of color voices can be amplified as we share our transitional stories and many other issues that are relatable to trans men of color in our existence. This show is not only to amplify our voices, but to raise awareness and conversation around our lived experiences. Hey, this episode, I talk about parenting. I'm a father to a 25-year-old son, and this episode is exactly what the title speaks on, Healing Generational Trauma Through Transformative Parenting. I discuss all of the things that I didn't want to repeat as a parent. So I talked about love, communication, affection, discipline, quality time, and setting an example to my child. So enjoy. Hey, this is Sean Aaron. I'm the founder and executive director of Them Boys, Inc. I am also the host of Them Boys podcast. As you may know, Them Boys provides financial assistance to trans men of color in order for them to obtain gender affirming surgery. We have great news. At this time, we are currently looking for volunteers to help support our programs, our gender affirming surgery grant program, and also our personal care package program. We personally curate packages filled with personal hygiene items, just to name a few things like tissue, soap, towels, toothpaste, and toothbrushes. We mail them out to trans men of color across the country who may be in need of help caring for their personal hygiene needs. We are looking for volunteers to help raise funds to support our programs. Also, we're looking for someone locally to the Bay Area to help us put all of the care packages together. If our mission is something that resonates with you and you would like to help support our work, just let us know. You can send an email to hello at themboys.org. That is H-E-L-L-O at D-E-M-B-O-I-S dot org. And we will get back to you with further details. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy the next episode. Welcome to Them Boys Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Aaron. He, him, he is. And today's episode, I want to talk about parenting. So I've spoke about it on, on plenty of episodes in the past that I'm a parent and my son is currently 25 years old and will soon be 26 years old. Uh, I would like to discuss how as a parent, um, as a trans masculine identified person, how has parenting affected my life? and also others around me. And so when I first met my son, so my son um, is my son through previous relationship and marriage. Um, So I did not naturally birth my son, but I call him my son. He calls me dad. And that's just what it is. That is our relationship. I'm his father. I, I came into his life when he was about 10 years old and I've been raising him ever since um, I'm in his life currently, and we have a wonderful relationship. Uh, Parenting has not always been easy. This shit does not come with a handbook. You can't go to chapter 16 in the third section and say, okay, when your child does this, this is what you do. That does not exist. I wish it did exist. But even on a previous episode with Lucky Alexander, he said if parenting had a handbook, it wouldn't really be fair because we all are different. And so parenting on the same scale is unfair to a child um, and and not verbatim, but, and you know, that's really what it is. So no parenting doesn't come with a handbook. And so you kind of learn how to parent based on trial and error. That's how, <laughs> that's how I felt parenting was. Right. 
So I went through different phases in my life about like wanting to be a parent and not wanting to be a parent. So when I was younger, I always and I've talked about my mother on previous episodes. Right. And like the the things in which my mom did to me or, you know, I've, I've never gone into really like detail of like um, the verbal things that my mom has said to me. So I I feel as if. I was a victim of verbal abuse and some ways physical abuse. And so first, I just want to say that, you know, I've said things, but this is also my own experience. And some people may listen and be like, oh, your mom was a horrible person. No, I don't think that my mom was a horrible person. I think that we all we all come into things with trauma, right? We all go into relationships with trauma. We we bring children into the world with trauma. And if our trauma isn't addressed, it leaks out into other relationships in our lives. And unfortunately, it, it it sometimes affects the way we raise our children. So when I was younger, I always was like, you know, I don't want to have any children because I don't want to be like my mom. I just always felt like I was going to hold that the way in which to parent from what I learned from my mom, by the way, that I was raised, that I was going to carry that on and subject another child in the world to that. And I knew that that wasn't something that I wanted. So I would like to say, like, even like the relationship with my father, I didn't, my, the relationship with my father was non-existent, right? So my father was not in my life. And my mother raised me, single mother. I'm the oldest of three children. I have two younger brothers. And my mother did the best that I feel that she could do. And I just, before recording this episode, I was on Instagram and there was a post saying that we're not responsible for our trauma, but we are responsible for our healing. And that is so true. Like, you know, as a child, you can't, you can't help what your mom did to you or your parents said to you or did to you, but you can help as an adult or as you get older and, or as you mature, uh, around the trauma that you experience in your life, you have the power to heal yourself, help heal yourself in whatever way healing comes to you, whether that be therapy or maybe, you know, maybe it's physical movement. You maybe you heal yourself through being active in a gym or uh, maybe you, uh, I don't know, like you doing, you, you're participating in a sport or something, whatever it is that helps you towards your healing i think that once you're aware that you need the healing and once you're aware that you were affected by these traumas in your life and you take responsibility for your healing i think that 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 healing journey is personal to each person but uh so my father wasn't in my life i remember as a child my mother was just so in love with him like that was like the best thing smoking i guess he was just that good right because she really she just really adored that man like even though he was not in my life even though he was not an active parent um she just just her memory of him and how wonderful he was to her um when they were dating and i guess when they conceive me it was such a wonderful experience for her that she just was like he's just this wonderful man he could do no wrong um it doesn't matter that he's not in your life he's just a wonderful man right so you know when I, I finally met my father when I was 16 I met him for the first time so my father he actually he was in and out of prison my whole life right I'm 41 years old he's been out of in and out of prison my entire life I always tell people like <laughs> Maybe I should be careful with saying this because I don't necessarily um, agree with our criminal justice system here in this country. But 
I always would tell folks like they should have just given him a 30 year sentence because he literally has been in prison for at least out of my whole combined life. He's been in prison at least 30 years of my life off and on. But so I met him when I was 16. And, you know, to his defense, I will say he is a wonderful man. He really is a wonderful man. Like and I, I could tell when I first met him how wonderful of a person he was because how my mom shifted whenever he came around um her her life she just she just adored him that much that i saw that and i realized that he was a wonderful person but unfortunately and i'm i'm assuming based on his own trauma or the things that he experienced in life he just wasn't able to show up as a father so that was like in combination with how i was treated by my mother and I was like, I don't want to be a parent because I don't want to be like any of these people. Like, (laughs) I do not want to. I don't I just I don't want to be absent and I don't want to take my trauma or the trauma of people that raised me or people in my life. I would like to say ancestral trauma. Right. Because as a black person, like we carry all of this trauma, generational trauma um, that we pass on to our kids. And I was like, I don't want to put that off on somebody else in this world. So I always grew up like, nope, don't want to have kids. Nope, nope. Never is going to happen. It's not going to happen. I don't want to adopt. I don't want to have any um, biologically. I just know kids was just never a part of my life. And so even like with dating, folks, I would always be like, I don't want to date someone with a child because then I'll always battle with like, okay, what that that nature versus nurture, right? Like however they were raised or whatever they experienced prior to me coming into their life, no matter how much I love them, no matter how much I nurture them, nature is going to take its course. And it's, you know, so I always had this thing of like not wanting to be a parent, right? But being a parent has definitely transformed my life in ways that I never, ever, ever imagined. The previous episode before too, I also talked about why I didn't want to have children physically, right? So just to give a like a little backstory on it, I talked about how I wanted to, I contacted my doctor because I wanted to stop my menstrual cycle many, many, many years ago, right? This was prior to transitioning and how I went to the doctor. I wanted to get an IUD and the doctor gave me a a pill to kind of like put in that area to kind of loosen it up or open it or dilate it, so to speak, in order for the IUD to be inserted properly. So went to the doctor They tried to do it and it didn't work because my body didn't want to receive it. It hadn't opened up enough for me to receive it. And so I went into my body kind of went into like panic mode. Right. So it was extremely painful and my cervix kind of like dilated and it simulated me giving birth. And I knew from that moment, oh, hell no, I wasn't about to do this. No, no, no. <laughs> like naturally that just wasn't about to happen for me. Like I will know. I, I give my, take my hat off. I bow to any person that has given birth, whether trans identified or not. I have so much respect for someone who naturally gives birth to a human being. And so at that time I was like, nope, that ain't it. And so, but then I, I, then I moved into my life where I was like, you know what? I wouldn't mind having a ch- child with someone um, like, yeah, I want to have children. Then I went from not wanting to have children to, yes, I want like five of them. 
I want five kids. I want four dogs. I just want a whole house full of people. I want every, I want a, a king size bed, California king size bed. I want everybody to sleep in the room together and we just be this one big happy family. Right. And I kind of was like, okay, then I got to another point in my life was like, nope, I don't want that either. Yep. No. So it's like, but having my son in my life now, I think that it really shifted me in ways that I didn't expect. It helped me to grow. It helped me to see things in a different perspective. And I also realized that the things that I went through as a child, I did not want to project that on to another person. And I wanted to break that generational curse of how you talk to a child or how you treat a child. If, you know, physically spanking a child or my mom called it whooping a child like all these things uh, that I felt that weren't productive in my life and that harmed me so to speak um that I decided that as a parent I didn't want to do that so to go back just talk about a minute about how I actually how my son actually came into my life and the only way to talk about that is to just to talk about how I met his mother right so I was married to his mother and we actually met in a library. <laughs> and that's like so weird, right? So like kind of like movie style cliche, like. So we met in a library um, at a college. I was doing my work. She was doing her work. And I'm minding my own business. And this 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 woman come over to my table and she just started talking to me. She told me well, the library was crowded at that time, right? It was like finals week. And so, you know, how everybody getting to the library, trying to do that last minute, whatever, trying to so you can graduate or you can pass the class or whatever you do. And so I just walked into the library, you know, with the swag that I have. (laughs) When I walked into the library, this crowded library, I was like focused in on a table where I was going to sit. And I walked to that table. Somebody got had so happened to just coincidentally, as I walked towards the table, they got up and left. And so I had this table all to myself. And so I'm starting to like take things out of my bag and my backpack, lay everything out on the table so I can get my study on. And this woman come walking over to me and was like, um, excuse me, you, you took my table. And I was like, um, okay, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you had, it was your name written on this table, but you're more than welcome to sit here with me. Long story short, we ended up talking for hours. I never got finished. I never got to do my work, never finished my work. I don't know if she finished hers or not, but I was trying to do my work. And I'm like, this girl is just talking too damn much. (laughs) So I was never able to do my work. And so the way she got me was like, oh, um, I have a son and my son is blah, blah, blah age. And he really needs a tutor. Are you good with math? I was like, oh, yeah, I love math. She was like, oh, that's wonderful. Would you like to tutor my son? That was a trick. I should have known that. That was a trick, right? (laughs) So I was like, sure, Uh, you can have my phone number and you can call me and I would not mind tutoring your son. So time passed. She started. We started to communicate, but it was nothing about this kid she told me about. Right. So I'm like, this girl fake and she ain't got no damn kid. She just trying to get to know me. (laughs) So. She had um, invited me over for dinner one night and she was like, well, my son, my son is going to be here and we can all have dinner together. And by this point, I'm like, I ain't, she ain't said nothing about a kid. I'm like, she lying. She ain't got no kids. She just trying to get me over there. She was lying. But anyway, <laughs> so I go to her house for dinner. I knock on the door and then this little kid 
He was, I think my son was like 10 years old at the time, right? He swung the door open like he was her, her parental. He just swung the door open like, who are you? I was like, you know, I'm nervous. I'm like, okay, this, this, he, he, he opening up the door. Like he run this place. I'm like, um, my name is Sean. He was like, all right, come in. So, you know, you know how kids are when you meet their parent or you coming into their space and their home. It depends on the vibe, but most likely they ain't going to like you. When I think, I think of movies when like, like Natty McPhee, like if anybody's seen the movie, Natty McPhee of how like this single father had, he had a lot of kids. I think he had like six kids and he was trying to take care of the kids and trying to like go to work and support them. And so he would hire nannies, but the, all the kids would run the nannies away. So he was in a constant rotation of new nannies because the, the nannies just didn't want to deal with these kids. So the kids would try their best to kind of like run the nanny away. Right. So I felt like I was kind of like in that situation, I'm like, oh my God, this kid ain't gonna like me. He gonna run me away. I'm a retreat. I'm be scared for my life. But anyway, we sat down, we ate dinner together. And so he had something to drink, but he ran out of his drink. And so he was like, mom, I need something else to drink. And I was like, oh, this is my chance. I'm trying to get in here. I'm trying to get in good with this woman. I was like, hey, I'll I go get you something to drink. And so I remember in that moment, he just looked up at me because he was sitting on the floor eating his food. And he kind of looked up at me at this look of like, wow. <laughs> and like, I, I felt like almost like he was looking at me and like as a superhero, so to speak. So I go in the kitchen and I make him a drink and I come back and I give him his drink. And then he say, thank you. And from that moment on, that was like the formation of our relationship. And, you know, so me and me and her got together, together for many years. We were married for many years. And outside of my, me and her relationship, me and him had a relationship. So I went in this knowing that, okay, I'm in this for the long haul because I love this woman and I, and I love this child. And I want to do everything I can possible to not repeat the things that I, how I was traumatized as a kid, or how I was verbally abused as a kid. So I wanted to make it a point. I made it a point to be conscious and be very intentional about everything that I did, everything that I said, because I was like, I would be damned if I me being in someone's life, a child's life will force them to be on a comfy couch or in therapy or, you know, having this trauma because they were raised in a way that wasn't conducive to their growth as a human being. It was very, very important to me. And, you know, I talk about my son often, right? And I, I talk about in other episodes of how my son named me. He actually gave me the name Aaron. So my name is Sean Aaron. And I dropped my legal last name. I don't, it's, it's still legally my name, but I dropped it um, because when I was in the process of changing my name, it was just going to be Sean and then my last name. And I remember he said to me that everybody need a middle name. And I'm like, well, I don't have a middle name. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't have an idea. And I was like, if you can come up with that name and if we both agree to it and I like it, that'll be my name. And so he came up with Aaron. And so I was like, Sean, Aaron. Hmm. Okay. So it stuck. And, and I kept that. And so me and his relationship have always been something 
separate from me and his mom's relationship. It always has been separate from him and his mom's relationship. I would like to be transparent, though, and to say that in the beginning, when I first entered the relationship and first took on the responsibility to be a parent, to be a father, I wasn't I wasn't the best. I really wasn't like it being a good I, I being a good parent took time. It took communication with my partner. It took l- learning and it took feedback. Really, it took feedback from my partner It took feedback from my child of like, hey, I don't like when you do this or hey, this is not good. This is not productive. So it took a moment for me to unlearn the things that I learned as a child. Right. So, for instance, like I was very selfish. I didn't like to share my things. I didn't like to share my clothes. So my son would always like, he would wear my drawers. He would wear my pants, my shoes, because we were the same size. We wear the same size shoe, right? So it was like things like that. Like, it was like, I wasn't, I, I don't know if it would like came from a place where because I was homeless and like I, I I was still kind of functioning in that scarcity mindset that I thought that, oh my God, is being taken away from me. So I don't know what that particular connection was to it, but I know that in the beginning, there were times where I was starting to repeat the same cycles that my mom inflicted on me, right? My mom is, I consider her very selfish. She don't like to share her stuff. She don't like you to be in her things, you know? So I was starting to repeat those cycles. And so once that was brought to my attention, it took me a very long time to like unlearn that and kind of like not be that way and allowing, you know, so it took some work. Like I wasn't perfect. I don't want somebody to hear this episode and be like, oh, Sean was an excellent parent. It must have been so easy. No, it wasn't. It like it really took some work. It really took some some thinking. It really took communication. It really took some intention on being the best person, best parent that I can be to this child, to this human being that's going to grow up and one day be a parent or one day be a productive member of our society, right? So it took a lot of work. It's like, it's not easy. And for those of you out there that are parents, like it's really not easy. Like it's always work. It's constant work. Even when you're an adult, it's still work, right? So uh, uh, being a parent is a lifelong commitment, is a lifelong responsibility. So to go back a little bit, I always give people a name. When I meet you, if we become friends, I, I don't know. It's something about me. Like I always give people nicknames. Like that's just my thing, right? So when I first met him and it was, this was a while, like after we all met each other and we all became a family together that I said, you know what? You need a nickname. And if, if I tell you, you need a nickname, that means we cool, we close and I need something that's special for you and me so that it's like I don't know why I do this I have no idea I don't you know I need to ask people do you mind if I give you a nickname I just be giving people nicknames and I don't even ask for their permission but anyway I I say I'm gonna give you a nickname but I don't know what it is yet but I'm gonna figure it out and so usually when I give a nickname it's something that it I, it does take me a minute to come up with it and you know and it's not gonna be like you know something uh, it wouldn't be a nickname that somebody already gave you. It's always I, so it's weird how I do this. I don't know. I've always done this since I was a kid was give people nicknames. I have no idea why I'm like the designated nickname giver. I don't, I don't know what's up with that. So anyway, I was like, I need a minute. He was like, all right. So one day I was like in the kitchen. I was looking at him and I was looking at his mama and I was looking at him and I was looking at his mama and I was like, I know what your name going to be twin. So I was like, because you look just like your mama, like they literally look just like each other. And so I was like, twin, that's it. So for for this episode, I'm going to call him twin. I won't call out 
his his name because you know that's just the the privacy but i will say that his name is twin and i call him twin and that's been the name i've called him for so many years now and i'm the only person that called him that so that's another thing about a nickname right like people don't really call you that but me so it's like that's just the nickname that i have for you i don't know it's like a I don't know what it is, like a, a term of endearment or like, you know, I don't know. It's like I care about you and I need to give you a, a name that's specific to me. Right. So twin, that's what I call him. Um, yeah. So he doesn't allow anybody else to call him twin. I'm the only one that calls him twin. He has other nicknames that other people call him. But twin is the nickname that I gave him and is the nickname that he goes by and answer by for me. I also call him son and he called me pops or he calls me dad or whatever. And that's always, and so it, that was even before my transition, that was always dad to him or pops or whatever. Even his friends call me pops or dad or, you know, stuff like that. So when I first began to transition, so I transitioned in 2013. So I remember I went on, I was going on YouTube at that time because I knew that I wanted to transition, but I also wanted to hear of other trans men of color and their journeys of transitioning. So I remember going on YouTube. Now, now we're talking about 2013. We in 2022 now. YouTube was completely different from what it is now. Now you can do all kinds of things on YouTube, right? So I started a, a YouTube channel and I wanted to document my journey with transitioning. So from the day that I started T, I wanted to monitor my transition on a week-to-week basis, month-to-month basis. I wanted other folks of color to see me and to witness my journey and so that I can be an example for other folks. Long story short, I ended up cutting that short. So I did a few episodes. So if you want to go check that out, check out my YouTube channel. I'll put it in the show notes so that you can click and you can go and watch some of the old videos. Keep in mind that, you know, I'm talking about 2013, right? So the quality of video isn't the same as what you would see on YouTube now. Uh, Language is somewhat different, right? And so unfortunately, I didn't keep up with the YouTube channel. I didn't keep up with recording the videos. Um, I dropped the ball on that one. And, you know, I didn't have that many followers but if you are listening and you are a follower i will take you know like to say that i do apologize for that i think that one of the things that i didn't expect was not just with parenting but just like with everything within my transition i wasn't prepared for right so there was a lot of things within my transition as my body started to change as my voice started to change after I had top surgery, because there's a video on there too about um, that I have uh, post-op. A lot of things started, you know, started to shift. Because remember, right, I started T in February of 2013. And then I had six months later in October the 1st, 2013, I had top surgery. So usually like doctors will say, you know, your major changes uh, from T will start to take effect anywhere from six to nine months. There are certain things that start to change. And then from a year on, there are other things that start to change. But then once you kind of like hit that five point mark, that five year mark, I mean, it kind of everything kind of like plateaus out in a lot of in something. I mean, of course, I'm not a doctor, right? So you would definitely have to consult with your your 
doctor about this. So like the pros and cons of starting tea or stopping tea or whatever, but this, I'm just going based on what I was told. And so a lot of things, especially after year five, there are a lot of things that even if you stop tea, they're irreversible, right? So the voice is irreversible. And so is the hair growth. Um, hair growth is irreversible, right? So when I first started taking tea, my body, I was taking too much for my body. And so with everyone is different. You know, you may take different um, doses, right? And different frequencies, right? Based on your body and like um, your blood work and all these things, all of these factors that are factored into how much, what level your tea should be at that's healthy for you. And so I was taking a lot. So there was a lot of things that happened to me. I know this, this episode is about parenting, but I, I, I want to discuss about the YouTube channel. My levels were high and there was a lot of things that happened that I wasn't prepared for. So I had a lot of anger issues and I had a lot of acne and some other things. And I just was, I was taken aback and I... I felt uncomfortable with myself and with my body in those moments. And so I kind of didn't want to share that. And so I di- I just stopped with the YouTube channel. Right. And it was also convenient, too, because also I, my camera wasn't working. And so I was like, oh, well, that's, you know, I was thinking it's like, oh, maybe that's a blessing. <laughs> you know, I don't want to document this. Like, I didn't want to document how I looked when I didn't look good. It, it was just really hard for me to kind of like navigate that, that gray area of the transition, my transition period. And so I didn't continue um, with the channel. But there were some things as a parent that I knew that I'm like, okay, I love this woman. I'm in this relationship. This is my family. I want to be fully present. I want to be fully invested. And I want to be fully invested in helping this human being grow into a productive adult. And so there was a lot of things like we always, me and her always touch bases because right, like the way I was raised and the way she was raised was totally different. My mom was very strict. Her mom wasn't. So a lot of the things that I knew and that I learned as a child I wanted to, I was like, these are things that kids should do. And, but we had communication. It was like, well, why, how did you like it when your mom did that to you? How did you feel? It was like a lot of those questions that were asked. And so my mind was kind of shifting in a way like, wait, wait a minute. I, I didn't like that. So I knew that, okay, that's something I don't want to do with my child. Right. And so for one is discipline. Uh, We talked about discipline. So discipline, being a parent, and discipline. So I'm not telling anyone how to parent. Let's let's clear that up. I'm not telling anyone how to discipline your child. I feel like, you know, if it's within reason, we should have the ability to discipline our child in ways that we find that's helpful and necessary. And right, you want your child to grow up to learn responsibility. You want your child to grow up learning what's right and wrong. And to be honest, like some kids need discipline and some kids don't, right? You can have a couple of kids and one child may be just amazing and respectful. And then there might be one child that just acts out all the time, right? So I think it's it's on a level and it's on a scale. But I knew as a parent that discipline was not something that I wanted to, to do. I'm talking physical discipline. I'm talking spankings, whoopings, beatings, whatever you call it, or whatever it was that your parents called it if you received uh, physical discipline. I knew that that was something that I never wanted to carry into my adult life. So my mom, she believed in whooping the child. like She believed in the belt, and she believed in spanking, 
And she whooped my ass. I was a bad, I was bad too, though. <laughs> I was bad. I was always doing something. I was always getting in trouble at school. I won't say that I deserved the whooping, but in her eyes, I deserved to get my ass beat. I didn't like it. And I feel, I feel when we talk about generational trauma as black folks, I feel that that's something that we don't talk about often. And when you think about, you know, ancestors and you think about slavery and you think about all these things and you think about religion and all these, I'm not going to get into that, but I think that it is a part of our generational trauma. Things that we have seen or have been done to us that we tend to pass on and we think that it's okay. Well, if your mama got a whooping or if your granny got a whooping or if your granddaddy got a whooping and they turned out all right, it's going to be good for you too. I don't necessarily agree with that. And and I will explain why. I feel as a child, maybe I'm over-exaggerating, but I was the one getting my ass beat. So I felt like it was always a 10. It was always at a 10. And I hated my mom for that. I, it was one time in particular that my mom, she don't care. She don't ask no questions. And that was one of the things that I always, that I also wanted to do around discipline with my child was I wanted the communication to be open. So before I get to blaming you or being upset at you, let's talk about it. So I want to understand why you did what you did. Make me understand, you know, give me an understanding of why you did what you did. Let's talk about it before I jump to, all right, I'm about to whip your ass. So my mom, she wouldn't ask no questions. If she thought you did something wrong, she don't care who did it. Everybody was getting their ass beat. <laughs> if you broke a glass and all three of us are standing around, I could care less if it was you, you or you. All of y'all getting it, right? And that's how my mom was. And I hated my mom for that. And, and it's sad, right? And I'm working through all of my trauma. But it wasn't until my 30s that I really learned what loving my parent meant. Because for so long, I just hated it. I hated how I was raised. I hate how I was talked to. I hate how I was treated. So I just always, I just hated everything about it, right? And so I remember it was this one time in particular. And I know I said previously that I was a bad child. I was. I was bad as hell. I used to always get in trouble at school. I was always doing stuff I had no damn business doing. True. But it was one time in particular, right, that I got in trouble at school for something that I did not even do, Right. But I was scared. I was like, I know when I get home, my mom ain't going to listen to me. My mom is not going to listen. She's just going to whip my ass. And so it was this particular time I got suspended. I can't remember particularly what, why I got suspended or what it was about. But I know I was sweating bullets because I knew I was going to get in trouble and my mom could care less what happened. And I didn't do anything. And I remember going home. I took the long route too. I, whew, I, <laughs> I took the long route. I didn't even want to be home yet by the time my mom got home. But anyway, I got home late and my mom already knew I was suspended, right? They had already called her at work. I was already, I knew my ass whooping was coming before I even touched the dough knob to open the dough, right? And I, first thing I was like, mom, let me tell you, she didn't want to hear nothing. She didn't care. She didn't want to hear no explanation. It don't matter. You guilty. You guilty and you just guilty. You don't need to prove that you're innocent because you ain't innocent. You guilty. Right. And so she whooped my ass so bad. And then I got on punishment. I remember a couple of episodes, uh, episodes ago. I always talk about I was always on punishment. I was always on punishment. So she whooped my ass as soon as I got in the house. I never got to voice what happened. I never got to explain myself. I never got to say how I was singled out. And she whooped my ass and was like, go in your room, you're on punishment. And I remember 
sitting on my bed. I cried. I stayed in my room because it was a Friday, right? Well, sure, I was suspended. So it didn't matter if it was a Wednesday or a Tuesday or whatever day of the week it was. I wasn't going back until the Monday. So I might as well just stay in my room. I stayed in my room and I cried. I, I literally probably cried for like two or three days. I was always crying. Like that was just my thing to do, right? And I cried. And in my mind, I was so upset that as a parent, you wouldn't even listen to your child before you just start whooping them. I was so upset about that, that I had, I told myself from this day forward, I will never call her mom again. I'm going to call her by her first name because as far as I'm concerned, she is not my mother. She's just some person that whooped my ass for no reason and no lie. From that day forward, I have never called my mom mother or mom. I call her by her first name, even to this day. And I'm 41 years old. And at first she didn't like it. She hated it. Don't call me that. And I was, I was very adamant that I wasn't about to call her mom. What's motherly to me is not something that you're exhibiting. And so I felt that I, I was not going to give you a name for something that you did not have the right to have a title to. And so I did that and I stayed, I stayed true to that and I never called her mom again. Well, now occasionally now I may say mom in a conversation and people don't know who I'm talking about. But if I go up to her or if I see her, I don't call her that. And so I knew in my mind from that day forward, I knew that if I ever had a child, I do not want to physically hit my child because I don't want my child to hate me. And that, that was always in my mind of like, I hate her. And I, I hate what she did to me. She did this to me and done, didn't even listen. And it's the one time that I didn't do shit. <laughs> so I knew that I did not want to inflict that on a child. I didn't want a child to have to make a decision between receiving discipline and loving me as a parent. And so with my son, I know when I first came into this relationship, right, she believed in it. She, you know, she's funny, like I whoop a kid ass, like she'll say that. And I was like, hey, you know, we had a conversation and we really sat down and I said, you know, we talked about it too, right? Of like generational trauma and how as black folks, where this whooping comes from, like where the spanking and all of these things come from. And I said, I don't agree with spanking a child because I want my son to love me. And we talked about it. I heard her point of view. She listened to my point of view. And the end result was. We never whipped our child. And maybe, I don't know. I, I hope that that's the right thing. And it was very hard for me in the beginning, right? Because I'm coming from a place of, of trying to raise a child based on what I remember as a child. And so I do remember one time I got upset with him. He was, he was talking. He was, he was being disrespectful. He was saying some stuff. And in that moment, I wanted to result back to, you need a whooping. Right. Like what my mom would do, go get the belt, you need a whooping or go get the switch or whatever. And I remember that I was so mad at him. So this this is like real story. Right. So he was in his room. He was being very disrespectful. He was talking back and it got me to a point in my mind where I just want to like, OK, fuck what I said. Fuck this agreement. You need a whooping. But instead, instead of doing that, he had like a dresser. Right. He had like a lot of stuff on his dresser. I took my my hand and maybe even this, because I even regretted doing this after I did it, because even though it's not physical discipline, I, I see it as something violent that I shouldn't have done. But it was the only thing that I knew to do at that time. But I know I didn't want to hit him. I didn't want to say something that I can't take back. I didn't want to hurt his feelings. I didn't want to get into the verbal abuse. But I knew it was something that I needed to get out of me right there in that moment, because 
it was just driving me nuts with the, the talking back and the disrespect. So I took my arm, my left arm, and I took it on top of his dresser and I cleared like a like a clean sweep, right? Sweep, swept across the dresser, knocked everything off the dresser onto the floor. Everything on the dresser broke. Cologne broke. He had some other stuff up there that broke and all hit the hit the wall and it shattered and broke. And then he stopped talking. And in that moment, I stopped talking. He looked at me. I looked at him. He looked at me. And we just sitting there looking at each other, blinking. And I apologize. And I'm like, son, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I lost control. And I apologize. That'll never happen again. And he said, dad, I'm sorry. It was almost like we scared the shit out of each other. Right. And and from that day on, he never talked back again. I don't know if that was like a lesson like, oh, shit, I don't want to see this man and like that again. Or and I was like, oh, shit, I don't want to see myself like that again. And I apologized to him. He apologized to me. And from that day on, he never really talked back again. Now, my son is very intelligent. He will say like smart stuff, but he it was never in a disrespectful way of like talking back like, you know, kids tend to do. And so I knew in that moment, okay, discipline, not disciplining, that works. That works for us. That works for me. And at the end of the day, my son will still love me. Right. And so I made it a point to not do it. And and it worked. Right. I never hit him and it worked for us. And I did not want to lose love based on a quick decision to relieve what, right? To relieve what? You know, why are you doing it? And like some parents be like, it's going to hurt you more than it's hurting me. It's going to hurt me more than it hurts you or whatever, however that saying go. I think that's false. It hurt all parties involved. And so I knew that being a parent discipline was something that I, you know, I wasn't going to do. If he got in trouble at school, which he did a lot. <laughs> so um, it was always like, yo, what happened? Let's talk about it. What's going on, son? You know, so it was never like, it was like, yeah, you on punishment, but it was never like, I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to hit you because I just felt like that wasn't a productive thing that I wanted to do. And that was not something that I wanted to pass on to uh, my child. Hey, this is Sean Aaron, the host of them boys podcast. Are you enjoying the podcast so far? Great. I'm glad that you are. Would you consider donating today to help support the continuation of this podcast? As you know, this podcast aims to serve as a platform to highlight and amplify the voices of trans men of color and share our transition stories. The podcast not only aims to amplify trans men of color voices, but it also raises awareness around our lived experiences. You would like to donate? Where can you donate? Great. I'm glad that you asked. Link in our description will take you directly to Network for Good, whom we've partnered with in order to collect donations for the podcast. Or you can visit our website. On the website, click the donate button. And from there, you are able to donate directly to the podcast. All donations are tax deductible. What does the donations go to? Oh, I'm glad that you asked. Your donation will help to support our production costs. We are working with Jasmine from Pink Lady Productions that brings you this awesome content. And also, we pay our guests an honorarium. Pay our guests an honorarium? Yes, we do. Why? Because as trans men of color, we would like to support and uplift each other and honor the time that's given out to come here and share their stories. So if you love this podcast, share and donate. See you on the next episode. Take care.
Another thing that I was really adamant about was love and how I showed love, um, not just to him, but also his mother, right? Because you look, you as a child, you see that. You see how love is shown. You see how people show up in loving ways for you as a child. So when I was a child, um, one thing that really stuck out to me was like, my mom, I can't say like my mom was never really affectionate that I remember for me. Um, this is just my own journey, right? I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to say it how I, I remember it in this moment. And my mom wasn't really a, an affectionate person. I, I can never really remember her like, here, come give me a hug or here, come give me a kiss. I don't know. It just was non-existent, I think. And maybe I'm just not remembering it correctly, right? Maybe my brothers remember it better than I do. But um, I remember that wasn't something that was shown on a regular basis. And I think that, and so, and the reason why I know that, because I remember when I was a teenager, my mom gave me this teddy bear as a gift. It was like a little, it's a little angel and I still have it to this day. I think she gave it to me when I was like, 14 or 15. And when you squeeze the the chest, it says, I love you. I love you. And this little like cartoony voice. And when I first got it, I cried so hard. Like I cry so hard, even like thinking about it is bringing up emotions because it still works. I'm 41 years old. Like I keep saying, and she gave me that when I was like, what, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 years old. And it still works. If I take it out right now, squeeze it, it'll tell me it loves me. And that was so emotional for me because I was like, she, she loves me. That was like a confirmation of like, wow, like she really loves me. Like, I don't remember her saying it, but I know that she loves me because it's coming through this toy, this gift. And so that means that it's true. And so I knew that as a parent, I always wanted to tell my son, I love him. I always wanted him to know, I don't want to give you a gift and you squeeze it in and say, I love you. No, I want you to know firsthand that I love you. And so I told, I used to tell him all the time, I love you. Good night. I love you. Good morning. I love you. See, when you get out of school, I love you. Even to this day, if I call him on the phone, that's always how I end the conversation. Okay, son, I love you. And you don't have to say it back. It doesn't matter. But I know that if anything ever happened to me today or tomorrow, I know that those words came out of my mouth. And I know that he knows that I love him. And it's not just based on action, right? Some people be like, oh, I show my kid I love him. I do this and I do that and I do this. No, 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 no. Sometimes they just want to hear it. A child just want to hear their parent say, I love you. So I knew that that was always something that I wanted to make sure that that was something that I was going to break, right, for him. So hopefully one day, whenever he has children, that reflects the same way, right, of him telling his children that he loved them. Another thing that that was very important to me was communication. I wanted to be able to communicate with my child in an effective way, in a loving way, in an intentional way. My mom, we didn't communicate. Well, let me take that back. So there is one thing in particular that I remember about my mom when it comes when it's around communication that I also try to reciprocate now in my in my adult life. And she did. There was one time when she did communicate. We all in a, if, if I'm in a relationship with someone or even with my family, it was very important that I repeated this particular thing of my upbringing. And that was eating together as a family at a dinner table. That was the one time 
that my mom would communicate with us. So we always ate together. Nobody never ate separately. Even if you were coming home late, then my mom would always wait. So like if I was coming home from basketball practice or whatever practice I was having, dinner waited until we were all together and we sat at the dinner table and we ate and we communicated about our day. So that would be a time when my mom would be like, okay, well, how was your day? Well, what did you do today? Or ask my brothers, what did you do today? And of course, because my brothers were younger than me, they had more things to say. Younger kids tend to have more things to talk about about their day and more, you know, you know, they just starting out in school. So they're more excited. But that was the one thing that I wanted to make sure. So I I love as a family, whatever, we would always eat together. That was, uh, we would always sit down together and we would always communicate. That's very important to me. I've always wanted to reciprocate. I always wanted to repeat that because I think it's, it's vital, right? To eat, break bread with someone and, and to communicate. And so we recap the day. How was your day? How you feeling? Let's go over what we're doing tomorrow. You know, you know what are your cares and concerns about us and our life and our family? All of those things, right? So I knew that as a parent, I wanted to have uh, open lines of communication with my son. Even now, he can call me. What, what you want to talk about? You know, it's like, and we always had it. You could talk about anything. I don't care what it is. You want to talk about who you dating? You want to talk about sex? You want to talk about drugs? Let's talk about it. I would rather have the lines of communication open and you talk to me about it. Then you go to school and you go talk to your friends who know exactly as much as you know, <laughs> right? I would rather you ask me and we have open communication. We have dialogue. We ask each other questions and we get clarification. So that was, that was another thing that I knew that I wanted to do more of and do a better job of as a parent. Also, another thing that um, I knew that as a parent that I wanted to bring and, you know, healing my trauma was quality time, um, especially when my son was younger. He, he and I spent a lot of time together. That was another thing, along with the communication in certain instances, not all instances. My mom was not always good at communication. It was just the dinner table incident that I'm talking about. But um, quality time. We used to always like my mom used to always we like play board games and like we would do stuff like that, spending quality time. But we rarely went out of the house to like go. We didn't. My mom, you know, she was single parent, three children. We didn't go to Disneyland. We went once, but we didn't go to like amusement parks and we didn't go out to eat and we didn't do all those type of things of like quality time of like what people consider quality time. But I knew as a parent, I wanted to intentionally spend quality time with my child, right? And when you spend quality time, that means communication is better too, right? You 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 feel open and, and to communicate because you're spending more time together. And so um, me and my son, uh, we would go to shooting range together. Um, let's back that up. So I I am a gun owner and I believe in responsible gun ownership. And near my home, there is a gun range and they teach children gun safety. So it was a class for, I think you were like 10 to 15 years old. They teach kids about gun safety and how to load, unload. If you find a gun, what to do, who to contact, things like that. So they would allow them to actually go into the range and shoot. This was an outside place. Um, it was well instructed. They had uh, multiple instructors for a certain amount of kids. So maybe like one instructor to every three children. 
And so parents would be there and monitoring. And I would always go there every Saturday with him. And that was one of the ways we spent time together. Other things, we used to always go to college football games together. We would go to baseball games together. Uh, always made sure I was present and and available to just do things and spend time. And this wasn't just like, oh, we're going as a family. Some These things were it was just me and him. And I was able to build that relationship and that foundation with him as a parent and making sure that he knew, okay, my dad spent a lot of time with me and, you know, creates memories, right? And things to talk about and and things to reflect on. And just, it goes back to knowing that someone loves you and loves spending time with you. Another thing, and this was like one of the major, major things with me, um, with being a father is setting an example with my own life. Um, everything I did, everything I said, places that I went, things that I did, I always made it a point. I wanted to be intentional with how I was living my life um, in order to be an example for my kid. And a lot of things my kid knew, oh, my dad, he's square. He don't know nothing about that. And that's fine. At first, it used to be like, man, I ain't no, I'm not no square, man. <laughs> you know, like, you know who I am, who I was when I was a teenager, you know. But then I think about it and I'm like, no, that just means that I was setting an example and I was someone that he could look up to because I was living my life in a way that he could look at, you know, I mean, we all are different, right? I'm not trying to say that one parent may do something that, you know, for a kid that they shouldn't be doing because that that's all to your own discretion as a parent, I think. And this is just my story, right? This is how I felt that was important for me to not repeat all this generational trauma that was passed on to me from my mother. And then I always think like, well, where did my mom get that from? And sometimes even now, like when I see my mom and I see how my grandmother talks to my mom, I'd be like, oh, that's where that came from. Like, you know, that's where that that abuse came from. And I wanted to go back for a second and talk about communication that I think is very important because it just reminded me of a story um, that happened to me when I was younger. And it was one thing that I knew that I wanted to be intentional about what I let out of my mouth and what I said to my kid. I, I, I can honestly say I would never put him down. Even if it's something that I think that he should not be doing. Ooh, you're not a good baseball player. You should not be playing baseball. <laughs> That's just the truth. He was a horrible baseball player when he played little league. I was like, Oh my God, I was so embarrassed. I was one of the parents like, yes, kid hit the, Oh God, he's out. <laughs> right. Like every time. But I knew that I wanted to be very intentional with my with what I said. If it wasn't something nice, if it wasn't something encouraging, if it wasn't something uplifting, I was not going to allow it to come out of my mouth because I didn't want that to be something that he remembered. And I was very intentional about that because I was so going telling my story when I was younger. And for descriptive purposes, because at that time I was younger, I'm going to use the pronoun she. So, and, and I, and I will say, speak on the complex. So I've always, ever since this moment, um, I had a complex about my body and about my weight. So I was younger. I can't remember how old I was. I think I was probably, ooh, I was anywhere between eight and 10. And, you know, and especially, I'm going to say 10, because especially at 10, you just right at the cusp of puberty 
And so like your body is starting to do these weird things that you don't really understand. And so I'm going to say I was 10 and I, I, I was probably an overweight child. But in my mind, I never thought of myself as being overweight. I was just being a child. Right. And I remember I was sitting in the hallway. I don't know what I was doing in the hallway, but I was sitting in the hallway and I had like this little one piece, like little nightgown, whatever thing on that the 10 year old kid have on. And I was, I don't know if I was playing, if I was reading, whatever I was doing, but my mom was on the phone at the time. And I remember she was just looking at me and this, this sticks out in my head a lot when we talk about communication and I'm talking about how, how your words matter and how to be intentional with your words when they're, you know, when it's directed at your child. And so she was on the phone with my aunt and my mom was like, she looks so fat. She was talking about me. And she was like, uh, my auntie was, I guess my auntie was like, who? And she was like, Sean, she looks so fat. Look at her. She just, I wish you could see her right now, how she's sitting on this floor. She just looks so fat. And she got up and she started to come near me and she started to like grab my stomach and my back, my chichos or whatever you call them, or like my, my fat rolls or whatever. And in that moment, I became aware of my body. I became aware that I was undesirable, obviously, because my mother is calling me fat. And I remember the words fat and me and me internalizing that and me. Whoa! I didn't know that I was fat. And she just went on and on and on and on about how fat I was and how I look fat. And I just started to cry. And. I remember my, my, I don't know what my aunt was telling her, but she kept saying she is fat though, but she is fat. And so my aunt told her, put me on the phone. So I'm just crying and, <laughs> and sniffling and stuff. And I was just bawling my eyes out. Cause at that moment, I couldn't believe that my mom would say that to me and not only to me, but she's telling this to another person about me aunt or not. Like you are letting this come out of your mouth and you are traumatizing me by talking about my physical attributes in a way that I never thought of before. And my aunt got on the phone with me and she was like, stop crying right now. And I remember she was like, you know, your mom, you know, you know, your mom is silly. You know, your mom is not nice. You know, I won't say exactly like the words she said, but she was pretty much like your mom is wrong is what she said. You stop crying right now. You are not fat. You are beautiful. Stop crying and stop allowing your mother to make you cry based on what she's saying. Don't listen to her. Get up right now and go in your room and get it together. And I never got it together. I never got it together. And I'm, I'm getting emotional thinking about it because we don't really, we parents' words hold so much value in a child's life. The things that you say, if you like, you know, I won't accept you because you trans or I won't accept you because you get like. It doesn't matter what the world says about you, as long as you have the love and support of your parent, you can you can take on the world like that don't even matter. But in that moment. It, it, it pretty much it scarred me, it ruined me. So from that moment on up until now, it don't matter how small I get, like my 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 weight has fluctuated over the years. Right. It doesn't matter how small I get or how big I get, or how little, or how, how toned, or how or whatever I get in my mind, I still hear my mother calling me fat, and I see fat. 
I had a complex. I was traumatized from that moment forward in my life and something that I talked about in therapy. Right. So I remember that the one thing that I did not want to do was ever, 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 ever have a memory or something that I said stain my son's mind. And him having a conversation 20 years later about what I said to him and how it made him feel and how it makes him feel now. Right. So it was very important to me to break all of that trauma. And it's crazy because as I'm thinking about it, like me being a the parent that I am, it helped me to heal some of my generational trauma. Right. Because it's like, yeah, it stops with me. Right. The, the verbal abuse, it stops here with me. The lack of showing love, it stops here with me. Not spending quality time, it stops here with me. Parenting is, is very tricky, right? And I want to say, I've, I've talked to people before, like, oh, I want to transition, but I have children or like all of these things. And I think my advice to someone is as a parent, and I can't tell anybody to parent, right? Those, those are your children. It's your life. How you deal with your children in your life is up to you, right? But then I think about, especially as a trans man of color, right? We think about, and even, you know, we think about how people treat us based on our identity, right? Even like I talked about being homeless and how my mom kicked me out and I was homeless because of my identity, right? So I think all the time, like, I want to say as a bit of advice is like, be careful what you say because your child is listening. And you don't want your child to carry that baggage with them into adult life. Let's break the generational trauma and how we treat, how we love, how we communicate, how we discipline our children. Right. It's a different way of parenting. It's like thinking of it differently. If, if we could go back and how we wanted to be raised or how our parents, we thought our parents can do something different in any moment. It's like, use that in the way that you parent your own child. Love on your child. Tell your child you love them. Communicate with your child. Leave the the lines of communication open so your child can communicate back to you. Show affection. Kiss your child. Love your child. Call your child out of the blue and say, you know what? And I do this sometimes. Hey, I just want to check on you. I love you. You know? So it's like, the ways in which you wish that your parents would have been to you, whether it's parents or parent, grandparent or whatever, who however raised you. And if it was in ways that you wish it could have been better, I think my advice would be to do better and and stop that generational trauma of how we talk to our children. And it, and it's And it's reflective, right? So the way that you talk to your child is the way that your child will go out into the world and talk to other people, even if they don't have children, right? It's, it's so, you know, you angry. Why are you angry? Well, I'm angry because what my mom did to me 10 years ago, right? Oh, I'm angry or I'm pissed off because what my father said or didn't say to me 15 years ago. So I think it's very important to be intentional about how we raise our children and intentional on what we say to our children, intentional on how we treat them and how we love them. I think that is very, very, very important. I felt like I needed to discuss being a parent and how I moved as a parent. And um, 
I think that it's important, right, that we share our stories as trans men of color, right? Because some of us, we have we have these roles that we take up. We have these responsibilities and these things that we do. And if nobody's talking about them and, and sharing them, we think that we're alone. And so you're not alone. And one thing about um, parenting, it changed my life. It helped me grow up. It helped me see who I was and helped me see how I was raised. And it helped me to, to begin my healing process through parenting and even now, you know, um, in therapy. Right. So it's like, you know, moving in these different ways of how I'm going to heal myself and how I don't want my child to have to heal himself years, years from now. Right. I want him to I want him to grow up healed and whole as a whole person, as a whole productive human being. And so, yeah. So remember. Right. If you have a question that you would like to hear answered on the show by me or a future guest of the show, send your questions to hello at themboys.org. That's H-E-L-L-O at themboys.org. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's show. Once again, I'm your host. My name is Sean Aaron. Be sure to like, be sure to share this show out with folks in your networks. If you would like to connect with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram or Facebook. You can also visit our website at themboys.org. That's D-E-M-B-O-I-S.org. If you think you will make a great guest on this show, or maybe you have a question for myself or a future guest that you would like to hear answered on the show, please send an email to hello at themboys.org. That's H-E-L-L-O at themboys.org. Until next time, take care.